Hello, everyone, and welcome to Joe's Tango Podcast, where we hear from all types of fascinating tango professionals. I'm your host, Joe Yang. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome back, all you regular listeners, and a big welcome to all you first-timers. Really glad you're here. If you've been a fan for a while and you'd like to help keep the podcast going, I'm accepting donations through PayPal. There's a link in the description and also one on the podcast website. Thanks for your support. My guest today is a tango musician and composer. He was born and raised in Moscow and started playing piano at the age of seven. He then relocated to San Francisco and picked up the accordion. During that time, he studied with Peter Dibano, San Francisco's most celebrated accordionist. After falling in love with tango, today's guest then took to playing the bandoneon and went on to study with great musicians such as Villa Itula and Hector del Curto. Nowadays, he keeps busy as the leader of the tango group Tangonero. He is also part of the Stowe Tango Music Festival Orchestra, and in 2018, he entered the Che Bandoneon International Competition and won the bronze medal. Okay, and with me now is Alex Reitman. Alex, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's great to be talking to you. Thank you. It's great to be here, Joe. Yeah. So, Alex, you have quite the history with music. You uh, started uh, with the piano at a very young age, uh, and then you later picked up the accordion? Yes, this is right. I played guitar in between. I didn't put okay. it in my bio, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I always liked music. Nice. What was the first musical genre that you explored? Well, as a kid, you know, you take piano lessons. It's classical music. They mm-hmm. start you with classical music. And uh, when I grew up, I started liking, you know, uh, gypsy jazz. I always liked, I guess, sort of a singer-songwriter repertoire. There is a lot of, uh, when I picked up accordion, I started, you know, trying French French music, mm-hmm. like a DPF repertoire and similar. Yes. So there is some crossover between that and gypsy jazz and, you know, Russian gypsy music. So mm. it's all nice. So did you pick up the accordion while you were still in Russia or was that here? No, no, it was here. For some reason, I actually was on a trip to Europe and Mm -hmm. uh, I got back and I thought, whoa, I should, I should, for some reason, I had an urge to just buy an accordion. I think I saw somebody (laughs) play an accordion and Mm -hmm. and I don't remember Italy or Spain at that time. Uh, And I thought, yeah, that's not. Not actually a bad idea. Why don't I get myself one? It should okay. be reasonably easy to learn because, you know, the keyboard, I, I sort of know the piano keyboard. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that and I started taking lessons with uh, this incredible accordionist here in San Francisco, yeah. Peter DiBono. Mm-hmm. He's a legend. He's, he's really, really awesome. Yeah, yeah. So your first accordion lesson, what was what was that like? Uh, <laughs> this was actually funny. My uh, so so I got an accordion and mm-hmm. I started. You know, I figured the left hand side it works. You know, there is a Stradella bus system, bass mm-hmm. system on most accordions, so it's a predictable. You know, there is a row for say A and then row for D and then row for E and mm-hmm. so on. So you mm-hmm. figure it's a circle of fifth. If you ever play any instrument, it's very easy and sort of nice and predictable to figure mm-hmm. out so for about a month i was playing things myself and then for my birthday mm-hmm. my wife got me a surprise a lesson with you know with, with this guy so wow. i go to him and i um, i tell him what happened like i bought an accordion and look and you know i played a little bit and he was smiling he said yeah i bet what you're doing feels really good <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but it didn't sound good to him for sure. So I and he showed me how in his mind mm-hmm. things should be played, and I'm like, wow, yeah, I should take lessons from this guy. Okay. Now people in tango circles they know you as a bandoneon player as well. Uh, how did you first discover tango? Is that through the dance or through the music? A couple of years into taking accordion lessons, I started uh, looking for you know somebody to play with. Mm-hmm. So it's joined some group, and uh, you know I stumbled upon this tango gem. Mm. Uh, it was in the cafe. So this lady, she's still around, but not at that place. She's she's basically uh, trying to get musicians to play tango, and she gives them lead sheets, and you know. Mm. She tries to recruit people who know how to play instruments. And with strings, it's always hard to be self-taught on a, on a violin. So yeah. she tries to recruit people from conservatory who know how to play their instruments and mm-hmm. just get them into tango. Mm-hmm. And uh, somebody just suggested that. I showed up. It was fun. And I started, you know, joining in and coming in. And, yeah, it was. Uh, I always sort of liked the feeling of tango music, but I didn't know much about traditional tango. Mm-hmm. And this way I started discovering it, and uh, after a few months I wanted to form a band, so we all rehearse and improve. Nice. nice. So I started the band with accordion, actually. Okay. And how did you start picking up the bandoneon? After, I think for about a year or a couple of years, I mm-hmm. was trying to make it work with accordion, and mm-hmm. there are certain things you could sort of fake okay. on, the, on the accordion to sort of sound similar to bandoneon, but... It's very limited. You mm-hmm. can't really sound like bandoneon. And this limitation, as the band gets better, it becomes very apparent. So mm. so I sort of resisted the idea, but <laughs> I couldn't resist it any longer. I knew it's a very complicated instrument. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I was, you know, 15 years old when, <laughs> when I started <laughs> learning, but that didn't happen. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I decided I have to. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So with the bandoneon making that transition, since you've had a background in accordion, was was that an easy transition or is it still a challenge? It was very difficult, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess it's still a challenge because uh, with with bandoneon, I I don't know if um, I guess Nestor Marconi and Julio Pane they can mm-hmm. say yes, I know this instrument, but uh, mm-hmm. few few other people can say like I learned it. Yeah. So <laughs> there is various degrees of familiarity, but it's a complicated instrument, and it was not much like an accordion. Uh. One thing that was going for me that I sort of knew a little bit of tango style at that point because so, mm-hmm. you know after playing in a band and listening to a lot of tango music you start developing and understanding of what's mm-hmm. good so mm-hmm. even though I couldn't make that work exactly I knew what to go for so uh, and the minus side is that there is no teachers mm-hmm. where I live so it's uh, very difficult to learn on your own mm-hmm. so are, are you still in touch with Peter Debono? Uh, not not too much, but yeah, every now and then a okay. little bit, yes. Yeah. Th- does he know now that you uh, played the bandoneon? Oh yeah, there is you, there is an accordion club in San Francisco, okay. and every maybe year or so they get me in, and you know, so mm-hmm. usually with my group and we play, and yeah, he knows he 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 likes it. Great. Yeah. Just curious mm-hmm. to see what he might think of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some challenges uh, of tango music? Uh, just of the way that it's expressed compared to other musical styles you've grown up with or are familiar with? Uh, there is a big challenge that is a shock to classical musicians that the, the music is written not the way you, you're supposed to play it literally. Basically, mm-hmm. it's written in a you know, very straight notation, you know, mm-hmm. quarter notes, eight notes. In practice, 
you decide and it's a matter of arrangement where you're going to change it and mm-hmm. how you're going to change it and even if you don't change the notes durations it's usually like different articulation tango music strives to be very dramatic mm-hmm. so if you if you don't do that it will sound boring if you mm-hmm. don't vary things with you know a lot of contrast a lot of uh, articulation differences so uh if if somebody looks at the tango piece you know as is it might it might look deceptively simple mm. now the, the good musician plays that and it's nothing like what's on the page so what's on the page is sort of a hint mm-hmm. of, of what it should be but how to interpret that that comes with understanding of the language so this is the challenge even if you had a good arrangement with written out which we didn't mm-hmm. but much worse if you start with a lead sheet it sort of comes out very boring mm. so if you, you have to find a way to not make it boring to make it exciting because you listen to the recordings of the same tune and there's probably different arrangements different versions available Mm -hmm. and they're all exciting and then you read this and it's sort of the same notes but (laughs) it it doesn't doesn't sound the same so uh so this is this is the challenge and then there is another challenge in that familiar instruments like you know all the tango instruments apart from bandoneon Mm -hmm. they're all run-of-the-mill instruments so bass piano violin if you go early like guitar or flute they're all you know known instruments Mm -hmm. but they're played in a very specific way because um there's many reasons but one reason is tango bands don't have percussion instruments Mm -hmm. so everybody has to do a little bit of percussion and they all do it differently so mm-hmm. violins they have these effects where they either tap on the body or they do chicharras or mm-hmm. they do tambor they basically plug the strings to make it sound like a snare drum mm-hmm. so it produces no pitch it's like bam 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 it's sort of it, it is a snare drum sound mm-hmm. so with all of this it helps to add so much spice to mm-hmm. with all those effects and on the bass there is trapatas and uh, and there is slaps on the bass, so something that the classical musician in an orchestra would never do. Mm. So that's another challenge. You nobody, unless you sit with experienced tango musicians, mm-hmm. it's hard to read about and make it sound right. <laughs> so these days there is videos. It's better mm-hmm. than you know YouTube. You know has a lot of stuff, but um, this is definitely the challenge because. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, like any, I don't know, useful human knowledge, it comes with, you know, you have to learn it from a person eventually. Mm-hmm. You, could, you could try it from a book. It's mm-hmm. sort of like from a person, but not not immediately. It's secondhand from a person, right? But mm-hmm. if you can learn it immediately, it's so much better. You get so much nuance. Mm-hmm. So this is the biggest challenge. There is no teachers around here. Mm. So... Um, yeah, that uh, if basically people who want to learn well, they go to Buenos Aires or mm-hmm. right now there's some tango camps. People mm-hmm. come from Buenos Aires and they teach here, which is may- maybe even better in some reason because mm-hmm. you speak your language, you're in your country and you know they come to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but this is very helpful to learn from firsthand knowledge. Yeah. What was your first time playing for dancers like? Actually, from the very beginning, like when I joined that jam, there mm. were dancers there right away. So oh, okay. from the from the very first first time, there was the the thing. I like playing for dancers. Yeah, yeah, because because I, I think I've I mentioned this before in other episodes, but it's great. It bears repeating how, you know, it's you with the band members and also watching the dancers and the dancers watching you. So there's this kind of a dance, not just with one's partner, but also with the live band, and that's that really creates a, a really lively dynamic. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely. And if you play, uh, I I don't want to say that hundred percent of people listen attentively to music. <laughs> That's not true. Nope. And uh, you're laughing, so I, yep. I think you're one of those who do, and you know about the other half. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, but but there is a small. I don't know how big a fraction. I don't know, fifteen twenty percent people mm. who really know the music. So it's amazing how. At the Milongas, there is people who don't hear anything, who come there for social reasons. They just laugh and, you know, mm-hmm. you know. And there is people who really, really know every song, every version. And if you play it just right or if you allude to something, they get it. And it's so mm-hmm. much, so so rewarding. So they know what you played and, you know, oh, that was a rearrangement and how, mm-hmm. how great this was done. And, you know, <laughs> that's, that's very nice. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so Alex, another thing we like to talk about on the on the podcast are are turning points in your development, uh, either as a uh, as a musician or a dancer, but in your case as a musician. So, were there any, I guess, formidable experiences as a tango musician uh, that really marked a turning point in your in your growth? as a bandoneon oh, yeah. player. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So so I as I said I started to switch to bandoneon on my own and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was painful but sort of <laughs> I switched somehow so mm-hmm. I stopped playing accordion and the gigs and uh, for a while I was improving little bit by little bit and then you know I discovered uh, my current teacher Hector mm-hmm. Del Curto and yeah. that was a definitely like a turning point because this was the teacher he doesn't live in San Francisco but still he's in the States so my first uh, first thing when I found, found out I had a break between the jobs so I basically went to New York for two months and mm-hmm. start to study with him so I wanted to like immerse and because because you know he's he's not around here I can't take regularly mm-hmm. lessons here so I went there and for two months I was trying to do you know two three lessons a week to wow. to, to just progress mm-hmm. and he he told me at the very first lesson that uh, yeah you need to start from fundamentals I see that you know good things about tango and you can't quite express them well so you have to start we started you know scales and arpeggios and mm-hmm. just uh, square one which mm-hmm. was very good for me because with a teacher, you know, bandoneon being what it is, it's, you know, it's not necessarily clear what's the good convenient finger and what are the good habits. Mm-hmm. So you, you you discover, like if the teacher can clue you in, you can save yourself decades of trying and failing. <laughs> so so that was definitely a big turning point. And after that, I started going to Actors Festival. So he, uh, I don't know if you're aware, he runs a festival in August, uh, Stowe Tango Music Festival. Mm, mm-hmm. Yes, the musical director of that, and um, that has been an amazing experience for me. So I I've been to Argentina once mm-hmm. for about a week, and um, I was just starting on bandoneon. It was not very useful for me back then. I okay. took one lesson. I saw a couple bands, but it's not like they could teach me a lot because I was you know I I was not ready to crawl. I mean, you have to <laughs> crawl before you <laughs> you walk. Yeah, yeah. So, but I kind of got you know i listened to some bands i kind of understood the the white vibe mm-hmm. and uh, what what i want from there and then uh when i got to stow that was for me it was like buenos aires maybe it's less variety because there is you know only mm-hmm. a handful of teachers and not you know hundreds of them yeah <laughs> but but still it was there was the same thing it was a real thing and they you know they teach you it I, i'm going every year now and i, mm-hmm. I uh i really like that place because mm-hmm. uh uh, what happens there is a lot of musicians come from, you know, like I come from San Francisco, people come from Europe, from mm-hmm. other corners of the States, and uh, everybody's so enthusiastic to put their time, and basically it's like 
you 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 take breaks to sleep in it and every every everything else all the other time is you basically you play tango either you rehearse an orchestra or chamber groups so, you know it's solo if you're competing there is a bandonian competition there right. also yeah yeah that's awesome yeah yeah so alex i like what you said earlier about uh you know starting again from square one doing your arpeggios and your scales now when you practice those on the bandoneon do you just do you play that straight or do you give it a tango feeling so uh you you could do both you could uh, practice articulations and you know but there is these sort of uh two two sides that i need to work on one is you know tango style and playing that and another one is just playing an instrument mm -hmm. so uh in some way one can get in the way like if you try to play everything with tango style yeah it sort of gives you some habits that uh you know, then you want to play things straight and you can't because you, uh, your fingers are used to grouping the notes and doing the accent. So sometimes you have to just, you know, take it easy and just play an instrument. And for for me at this point right now, mm -hmm. uh, I think technique, the mm -hmm. bass technique is still my weakest point that needs work mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, Aiden Tango style. If I'm, if technique doesn't, if basic technique doesn't limit me, I can add tango style. That's mm -hmm. not my issue. So okay. everybody's different. Everybody's mm -hmm. a different point. So okay. so for me, that comes easier, uh, not not necessarily playing an instrument. Because mm -hmm. there is some virtuosic pieces with, you know, multiple voices and, you know, um, in and out when you close bandonian, it's different fingering and, you know, you have to know it all and think, you know, don't take any time to think about it. You have to sort of mm -hmm. do it on autopilot. So that part needs a lot of work mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so alex sir there might be some people out there listening uh, the musicians who are probably going to be curious about picking up the the bandoneon what, what advice would you have for anyone out there who's thinking of playing this instrument i would recommend getting a good teacher mm -hmm. and uh and in in my opinion a good teacher is somebody who grew up playing bandoneon and grew up learning from maestros so i sort of think about it like if you learn the language mm -hmm. you know if you want to learn the spanish language for example you mm -hmm. really want to pick a person for whom this is the native language mm -hmm. so you don't want to pick a person who's the as your teacher who's who's good at the language but you know is his second or third i wouldn't i don't know if like my opinion would be take mm -hmm. get a native speaker because he may he may yeah, it's it doesn't guarantee that uh, he's good at teaching, mm -hmm. but he certainly knows language. If you grew up with that, if that's your first language, you know it like the back of your hand. As opposed to second language, you might be able to explain, but there is certain things you don't quite feel the same way as with your native language. So mm -hmm. try to get a good teacher. So not somebody who just plays well, but who really grew up with that. And that might be difficult, but uh, for a long time, I was sort of against the uh, Skype lessons or, you know, yeah. online lessons. And then um, once I started studying with Hector, I sort of decided to go back on that because this is better than nothing. So my teacher lives in New York. I take lessons regularly from him. I think it's a workable setup. It's not as great as face-to-face, -face, right. but it's so much better than nothing. So this would be my advice. Try to get somebody who, who can teach you well. And if it's online, it's not the end of the world. It's, it's, it's better than trying on your own. Because what happens when you try on your own? You, you want to add all this style, all this punch and accents, and you end up stifling yourself. You, you give yourself bad habits. I see. This is like spice that should be on top of a, you know, cooked dish. You can't eat just the spice. Just <laughs> a, you know, like a 
yeah, plate full of peppers. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, yeah. So, so that would be my advice uh, as, as as far as learning the instrument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, now, just out of curiosity, how did you acquire your first bandoneon? Uh, I bought it from uh, from a person here, mm -hmm. and uh, it's a good instrument. It's still my favorite. I have another one as a spare now, but uh, nice. I still play that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of an interesting thing to to go about getting um, a bandoneon. How how easy are they to come by? Not too easy. Mm -hmm. So if you just Google, I want to buy it. It's probably you're probably gonna see some strange things. Um, <laughs> no, I mean you're gonna yeah. see all kinds of stuff on eBay, and some of it may be scam. I don't know. Right. But now there is uh, more and more people in the states who play them, and you know somebody upgrades to a new instrument, they're looking to sell their own. So there is somewhat like if you if you're in the community, <clears throat> you can there is somewhat of a marketplace. Like I know I have a friend here who wants to sell one or maybe two instruments. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if there's necessarily they're very good, but for, for a beginner, they're definitely very good. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So you got to do a little digging. Yes. You got to do a little digging and the more people, you know, in the tango community, the easier it is. So, so for, for a beginner, it's not that difficult. If you like want to perform and, you know, if you're a top notch musician then you know, might be you might not be happy with some of those instruments so then and i don't know i have a friend who went to buenos aires and you know he he was like researching for a month and emailing people and asking and then mm. he, he went and bought one and he's very happy okay nice nice yeah so alex i want to change gears a little bit to uh the group that you manage out in san francisco uh -huh. tango nero so can you uh, tell us a little bit about it and how it got started yeah, so uh, we uh, started uh, coming off of the Tango Jam that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. My my issue, I like going to that gym, but what I noticed is that every it was a weekly thing. Every Sunday, there would be different people there. So mm -hmm. not all different, but maybe there would be 10 folks. And then next Sunday, there's 10 folks of which two are the same. Mm -hmm. And eight are different or seven and three, something like this. So there would be a huge turnover week to week. Ah. So something that we worked on today come next week it's all going to be forgotten or because mm. people are new and we i i was trying to be there every week and i noticed that you know we don't improve because it's, uh, it's, start, it's starting from scratch every week right so i thought you know i i i thought i should you know it would be nice to have a constant group and you know at that stage of my musicianship uh in tango it was clear that no existing good group will take me so i gotta form one and grow with that so i found people that were you know wanted to do that and that was this may of 2008 nice so we started rehearsing and uh we had back then it was a violin bass guitar mm -hmm. and accordion mm -hmm. so we started rehearsing and uh we had two gigs that year and then next year we started to have more gigs and uh sort of took off from there so we only played for dancers back then nice nice now, what was the very first song you performed for dancers in this group? Oh, I don't know. There were some lead sheets, uh, Bahia Blanca probably, okay. and El Plete, and um, El Choclo. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, you don't perform one song for dancers, right? You right. Yeah, you got ten, ten songs for dancers. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. So, so those would be the the, the pieces. Okay. Nice. Nice. Yeah, it is great. Just dancers, they just they just love live music, and it's awesome that you can. That you, that you bring that to them. So Alex, you are also a composer, I understand. 
I uh, I compose a few pieces and uh, we try them and uh, there were there were there's still parts that I like today. Okay. But, but, <laughs> but uh, I, in in those pieces, but I think I want to revisit that and mm. redo them now. Nice. So I I compose them as an exercise. Mm-hmm. I think now I have a better understanding of the tango language too, to to mm. do a better job at what I did back then. <laughs> well, it's great that you that you're attempting to create new tango music. I mean, I hear a lot of people would like to to see more of that. Now, are you doing this in the style of a particular composer, or are you trying to trying to explore a little bit more on your own? I don't think I was trying for a particular style. I was sort mm-hmm. of going for a traditional style, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. And then um, it sort of took me some places. And uh, mm-hmm. you can, the truth is, you can arrange a piece multiple ways to imitate this orchestra or that orchestra, to mm-hmm. or to you know give it a flavor of this style. It's true that some orchestras had exclusive pieces that nobody else played, but mm-hmm. most of the material was played by multiple orchestras or you know tens of orchestras or I don't know maybe hundreds, mm-hmm. and they they all. Sort of the traditionalist tango is to play the same material. You just change the arrangement. You change things around just enough so it sounds like your own. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to necessarily compose new, new works. Mm-hmm. So like famous pieces like, say, I don't know, El Choclo Comparsita, everybody played them. But mm-hmm. even not as big uh, pieces like Felicia, there is probably 15 versions there that are all mm-hmm. different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Alex, uh, I know that you've been at this for a long time, but with the ni- nice thing about tango is that there's always something new to learn with this, whether it's dance or, or for music. So perhaps in the last few months or years, what's something new that you've learned recently? My thing recently is we, we were a quartet for a long while, and mm-hmm. now I'm actually trying to perform more as a sextet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard because more people, you know, it's harder to get gigs for more people but mm-hmm. whenever we have a chance i really like it so now my my thing is i'm arranging things for sextet wow and nice. there was another turning point a few years ago i mm-hmm. took a couple of classes with pablo Estigarribia, the mm. pianist i don't know if you know him mm-hmm. he's a, a very young guy but he's a wonder child he's he's playing with lava Gen trio he's mm-hmm. arranging for them he's wow. like a prodigy and he's very uh, his english is very good which is not common from a lot of people for a lot of people from Argentina, but he mm-hmm. he's is very good, and he can explain things in so simple terms. So mm-hmm. he opened my eyes on how to make good arrangements, actually, like voicings and you know the uh, a lot of good habits in arranging. Because mm-hmm. traditionally, like historically, what happened with our arrangements, they're sort of chaotically evolved, and now I have more of a handle on mm-hmm. what I want. So I'm very interested now in arranging and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for for sextet specifically. Mm-hmm. So for sextet, what you have going is you have two bandoneons. Mm-hmm. Each one has two sides, left and right. Mm-hmm. And then you have two violins. So in the melodic parts, you know, when the orchestra swells and there is like this big melody coming yeah. out and it's mm-hmm. like overwhelming, so big. So you have four voices mm-hmm. uh, on the bandoneons plus two more in violins. So you can have six. Mm-hmm. So... You you can really explore and play with harmonies and make it make it really pretty. Something that mm-hmm. is hard to do with fewer instruments because uh. there there has to be a melody and you know with with two or three voices it's somewhat it's it's better than one but uh, with with six it's it's amazingly good. Yeah. So you can really swell and what Pablo told me is look you you can with good arrangements your quartet can sound like a sextet. 
in your mm-hmm. sextet can sound like an orchestra. <laughs> so, so you can really like it's a trick. It's a perceptual trick. If, mm. if four instruments play the same voice, same pitch, so mm. different octaves, but same melody, you can be loud, but you're not thick mm. enough. And if you have harmonies, you you touch so many different pitches, it, mm. you come out a lot stronger. So yeah. it's not a volume effect. You can amplify and still your ear adjusted down. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, we're talking on the phone and the software is doing the same thing. Like yeah. If I start talking a lot louder, you, you'll only hear it in the beginning and then it'll, it'll adjust <laughs> down. But if you, if you touch a lot of different, different pitches, mm. it's, uh, it's, it's, more, it's richer musically, but it also perceptually it's bigger. So your big uh, overwhelming points, they become more overwhelming, yeah. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> nice. So, so I'm, 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 I'm all into it and you can create beautiful harmonies it just I, I love that so uh, yeah. that's what I'm excited to do nowadays yeah that's great yeah and I think that it's uh it's important for the listeners I guess those who are more dance focused to understand that a lot of the behind the scenes work that goes into music it's not just you getting together and, and practicing it's the arranging side of it and there's just a lot that we dancers don't quite see there's a lot of work that goes in when the band finally gets together to play and it's yeah, hopefully we can really, really appreciate live music, not just from the end result, but also from all the all the things that go into it. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So, Alex, uh, where do we find out more about you and your group online? Uh, there's a website, tangonier.com. Mm-hmm. There's a Facebook page, so uh, I don't know if we necessarily too good with keeping <laughs> it together, mm-hmm. uh, updated. Yeah, so uh, that's that. we playing around here in the bay area and then now you know every every august i try to go with last year my pianist went with me to stow so we had a chamber nice. group there nice it's, uh exciting so uh yeah i guess the website is how you how you keep in touch great great yeah i've been out to the bay area i think just once were you uh performing at milonga genesis yeah, actually, that's one of our sextet gigs. So nice. we did recently, and uh, we will again probably in March. I don't know when. When do you think you'll be here next oh, time? Oh gosh, I don't know. I think I was there a few years ago. I taught a little workshop there before Malanga, but that wasn't with live music. So, yeah, I used mm-hmm. to live near the Bay Area, so be great to, oh, I to go back and and nice. uh, well, enjoy the weather. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you're around. It'd be fun to meet up. Yeah, definitely be great to meet you in person. Well, Alex, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, I'll have the information about your website and also the Facebook page in our show notes so people will be able to look you up and know where to find you and where you're playing next. Sounds very good. Thank you, Joe. That was really fun. Yeah. Really interesting conversation. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. Well, Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Happy New Year indeed. Just in case you happen to be listening to this episode at a different time of year, uh, I completed this interview on New Year's Eve 2019. Wow, really good stuff. I've had many musicians on the show, and every time I talk to people like Alex, I get such an education. It's great. It's always interesting to hear about what it takes to transition from playing classical music to tango. I know previous guests on the podcast have talked about that, 
and it never really gets old. Everyone has an interesting take on it, and Alex is no exception. And whenever musicians bring up the topic of arranging tango music, like all of you, I just appreciate dancing to live groups that much more. There are so many considerations, depending on the number of band members. For instance, arranging for a quartet is not going to be the same as a sextet or a full orchestra. And there's so much they have to do to get the most out of each instrument, also we can enjoy some really good tandas. And another thing that got my attention was the way Alex started the group, Tango Nero, that he would show up to Tango Jam sessions and he would do so consistently while others would come and go. But Alex did not flake out. And there's a simple but important lesson here that if you've discovered something in your life that you enjoy doing, it's worth putting time into it and being consistent with improving and building it up will lead to something good. For Alex, he started a tango band. That's pretty awesome. So thank you again, Alex, for telling us your story, for sharing your thoughts, and for your time. And a big thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. I know life is busy for all of you, and it really means a lot that you've chosen to listen to this show. If you're enjoying it, please take a quick moment to subscribe, and please leave a five-star rating and review if you haven't already. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for today. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.